Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Well, this is Richard with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest is Philip Hull. He's from the uh, Technical Hi. University of Munich, and we're going to be talking about uh, the projects he's working on in holography and machine learning. So, Philip, thank you for coming. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, tell me about about your work in uh, holography and machine learning. What are you working on at the university? Right. So, the holography project is uh, pretty much over right now. So, this is what I primarily did for my bachelor's thesis, um, okay. and it. The basic idea was um, to record all the Wi-Fi signals um, and basically, yeah, create a hologram out of this. Um, a hologram yeah, this, of what? What the Wi-Fi signals look like in space or the data contained right. in them? Or what do you mean? So um, you probably know the regular holograms you record with usual light, visible light. Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of similar to that. Um, but instead of printing them on a sheet of paper or something, we record them in the computer. And so we have this kind of three-dimensional information um, in the computer afterwards and can generate images on software. Um, what kind of uh, so, images are you trying to, what information are you trying to gather and what are you trying to create from the hologram? Right, so, so the way it works, it's pretty um, similar to a regular hologram in that um, we record all the Wi-Fi signals um, that pass through a certain plane. We decide um, the, the bounds, basically, and on one plane, we record all the Wi-Fi signals that pass through. And this plane, basically, is then the hologram afterwards. So um, by recording all the, all the signals, all the electromagnetic field, basically, um, we get a pretty good idea of um, what, where these signals came from. Uh, so you're trying to identify where certain uh, Wi-Fi signals are coming from? Exactly. Um, and what, like, what would be the uh, use for this? So there are multiple use cases for this. For example, you could use it for tracking. So let's say uh, you have an, an indoor uh, system and you want to track people or track um, devices attached to their bodies, for example. Um, that would be a use case. Or you could also um, use it to find find things. For example, uh, say after a snow slide, uh, you want to find people that are buried under the snow. Um, you could use the radiation sent from their mobile phones um, to pinpoint their location, basically. Hmm. Okay. So you can pinpoint people's location that are transmitting signals. I guess this would be right. for what, counter surveillance or surveillance purposes? Well, may maybe, but it's, there are actually uh, easier techniques for this. So, so the, that's also, the, the main drawback of, of the holography, holography technique um, that you have to record on a large plane, basically, so many meters across, um, and that usually takes a lot of time. Um, but if you do that, you get actually more than just the, the uh, position of the source, um, but you can also get the, basically get the outlines of objects in between the source and where you record it from. And you get kind of this three-dimensional picture of everything that was in between. And so this is kind of what the hologram is. So you're using background Wi-Fi that's present 
to identify objects in a room or what would be the reason or the benefit of being able to see objects that the Wi-Fi passed through? Yeah, basically um, that, uh, that is the, the key concept. Um, so by, yeah, it's, it's very similar to, to like just looking uh, at things, but with Wi-Fi and that has some differences. So as you may know, Wi-Fi radiation is uh, also electromagnetic radiation, just like visible light. Um, but with a much, much longer wavelength. Um, and so that means that it can pass through objects um, like walls. So just like Wi-Fi, when you get a reception outside, uh, the Wi-Fi passes through the wall. And yeah, you can, this is, and basically what the hologram is, is a picture of the world as recorded in Wi-Fi, basically. So if we could see Wi-Fi, um, this is what we could see. So what are some of the use cases that you thought of being able to do this, being able to see into a room without going into the room? I mean, maybe for police? I don't know what, what uh, would be uh, useful. So actually, there was, uh, I think the U.S. military actually thought of thought about this. Um, and I don't know what the status uh, on this is, but uh, I doubt that this will be used by police or military because they're just easier techniques um, hmm. to to find or to locate um, sources of radiation behind walls. Um, really, the, the new thing of our, uh, of our technique is that you can also see the object. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's mostly of, the, the, at least the way we did it, uh, it was mostly for uh, academic uh, purposes um, to show that it is indeed possible to record these holograms. Um, and we are actually not implementing any applications ourselves. So this is all hypothetical. Oh, but what interested you in it? Just being able to do that? Or is there a use that you thought of that uh, you think would be really cool for this? Um, yeah, so just locating things, I think, is really cool. Um, and if you go a bit further in development, it might actually also allow you um, to, make a lot, to make some things easier that require identification, like RFID tags, for example. Um, yeah. So, for example, imagine in the, you're in the supermarket um, and you buy some things. Now you could stick a small RFID tag to, to every item you can buy. Um, and then uh, at the counter, um, you could just put your bag onto a, a spot there and it would automatically scan all the products without you even having to open your bag, for example. Um, right. And that could be done with uh, such a technique, which combines the localization with the radio frequencies there. Yeah, so like I, I think Amazon was working on something like this, where you could just walk out and the sensors would uh, see what you have in your bag and just charge your account. So you don't need uh, almost anyone in the store to help you. Right. The way they do it, I think, is they use cameras, actually quite a lot of cameras, um, and they track where the object has gone. Um, oh, and if it's so in a bag, they, they just remember that it's in the bag. Um, but you need a lot of cameras to do that. Um, yeah. And uh, if you could just scan inside the bag, I mean, that has advantages. And you could also use this for industrial uh, warehouses um, to stick just RFID tags onto all the wares. Okay. So you said you worked on this, and then uh, you've changed what you're working on. So what are you doing now? Uh, so right now I'm doing more machine learning slash artificial intelligence-related uh, work. Um, but uh, I think the, the Wi-Fi holography is uh, by far the most interesting project I've worked on. Uh, so, mm. so since then, 
Um, I've uh, done some some work for a big physics experiment, which uh, is called GEDA or JEDA, um, and this was uh, for basically classifying very rare events in being a real event or some background um, nuisance. Oh, what kind of what kind of rare events? So uh, the way it works is uh, there's uh, this hypothesis that um, that uh, neutrinos and antineutrinos are the same particle. Um, neutrinos are an elementary type of particle which we know very little about. Um, and to to observe whether um, it is its own antiparticle, um, one can look for a certain decay in germanium. And this is basically what the experiment does. But uh, even if even if the neutrino is its own antiparticle, this decay would be incredibly rare and would, um, even with the amounts of germanium they have, only occur less than once a year, basically. And so um, you have to isolate all other known sources of uh, um, radiation. And, and I worked on some software, especially artificial intelligence, that um, was in charge of, or might be in charge of someday, um, deciding whether an event could be a real event or some background event from other sources. Hmm. So for um, for particle decay, they want to detect whether uh, a particle that's released is uh, it's a real particle or it's just a random occurrence, a random fluctuation. Uh, yeah, basically the question is whether the where the particle came from. So if it it was really such a decay, then the particle um, would have been created within the germanium, um, hmm. and it would be within a very small region of the germanium crystal. But if it was some externally induced event, for example, radioactive decay from the walls or so, uh, then yeah, you, it is most likely to have left a trace inside the detector. Um, and this is what what the what my algorithm looks for. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, what other, uh, what other projects are you working on? Uh, so right now, uh, I'm working on a completely different topic again, uh, but also artificial intelligence related. Um, and right now it's uh, more fluid dynamics and artificial intelligence. So um, it's basically using artificial intelligence to solve fluid optimization problems. And that means basically um, doing, for example, um, Let's say you have a robot, and a robot wants to pick up a glass full of water. Um, now, obviously, the robot doesn't want to spill any of that water, um, so he needs to, or it needs to understand um, how fluid, how the water behaves inside the glass, and to pick it up correctly. Um, and this uh, is a typical application for for artificial intelligence. Um, and yeah, basically, I'm working on these kinds of problems. Where you have some some agent or some intelligent system that needs to understand how fluids work or smoke works um, to to basically interact with it. Hmm. Okay. What do you mean interact with it? Like, what would you what would you do as an interaction? So, um, in the case I just mentioned, this could be a robot one day that does it. Um, but in other cases, you might want uh, to exert forces upon a simulation to achieve a specific result. Um, for example, say you have a smoke simulation as a visual effect for some movie, and then the artist would like to have some more control over the simulation. Um, and 
basically what what the artist would like to do is specify um, where the smoke should go or um, like some some end state of the simulation. But what artists have to do these days is just fiddle with the initial conditions until it, it turns out right. Um, and with some artificial mm, intelligence, yes. they can they can take care of all that and apply wind forces wherever necessary to guide the the smoke, basically. Right. Okay. I got you. Huh. Interesting. And then in the handling of fluids, like you said, uh, robots a robot hand would be would be better able to handle a fluid. Um, you know, I've heard, uh, for instance, in in surgeries like the Da Vinci robot, one of the problems it has is um, you know, the resistance of the skin and the tissue changes, and it's very hard to uh, figure out how the you know how to let's say make an incision, um, and if the the body yeah, moves so, or the skin moves, or you know, this might help with surgeries like that, for instance. Yeah, so that's that's soft bodies, but that is actually very closely related to to fluids. So that could also be an application in the future, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, this is something I thought of as you're as you're describing it. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Point. So where do you want to take your uh, your focus? What uh, you worked on a whole bunch of projects, different applications. Is it something that really fascinates you that you want to focus on from here out? Right. So so currently I'm in my PhD, um, doing this uh, fluid dynamic um, plus artificial intelligence. Um, and actually I probably also would have liked to continue on with the Wi-Fi holography pro- project, but um, for various reasons including uh, financing um, and also, um, yeah, internal reasons uh, that didn't work out. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm, I'm going to continue with the fluid dynamics for probably two to three more years. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I don't really have a plan, a long-term plan right now. But it's probably okay. going to involve some more artificial intelligence. Well, you said the thing that seemed the most interesting to you was, uh, again, finding the shapes of things uh, using holography, you know, of Wi-Fi signals. It sounds like you have mm-hmm. more uh, use cases in mind since that fascinated you. Is there anywhere you want to but, take but that? I think the, the most uh, applicable use case is probably the industrial case where you want to tag um, objects and uh, see how they move around or uh, label them. And uh, I know a startup, for example, that is working uh, exactly on on that, basically, and, and tracking objects within a warehouse using um, yeah RFID tags. Um, and maybe maybe I'll end up somewhere there. This could also have uh, applications for deep learning um, when when you try to track objects in more complicated environments because you get um, you get all those basically all those rays that get reflected of other objects and then also reach your receivers. And so in the end, the picture you receive is basically an overlay of all the objects um, that scatter the radiation. And um, and it could, it's, yeah, it's non-trivial to separate all of the information into the different objects and where what ray came from. So there might also be some machine learning uh, involved and on that front, mm. um, to basically, yeah, identify all the objects that you that you saw. Yeah, one more question about the uh, identifying objects. Um, once Wi-Fi passes through one object, I would see okay, you can identify it. But what if it passes through a second object? Wouldn't that distort the Wi-Fi in such a way that you couldn't recover the first thing it passed through? Right. So, so that's actually where you need 
uh, the whole plane. Um, because if you if we record if we record all the signals on a larger plane, um, then you kind of can look at at everything between your source and your recording plane from all the angles uh, that have their viewpoint on the plane. So you can basically um, look at look at the source from the left and from the right. Um, and the idea is then hopefully that the walls did not cover all of the space. And then you can see that one mall um, only reaches, I don't know, to some meters to the right. And after that, only the other wall is left, for example. Um, and that would help you to identify uh, the different objects. But if, if you really had two walls that went all the way through, then it's more or less impossible um, to, to, uh, uh, yeah, to correctly identify and um, yeah, where they are and uh, how. Plus, you how couldn't deconvolute if it went through multiple walls or multiple objects. Yeah, I mean there might be secondary effects um, which could allow you to do it in the end, but uh, it's definitely not easy under in such a scenario. Okay, you mentioned uh, other techniques that are easier for identifying objects in rooms. I'm just curious what those are. What have you, what have you seen? Oh, there's a passive radar, for example, uh, is a common one. Um, which is also uh, used by by the military, um, <clears throat> and there there's others. But and, and the advantage of these is that they only require one antenna or a few antennae, possibly one array, um, but and and then they can record it instantly. But the way we do it is we have we have two antennas, and one of them has to move around to cover all the plane. Um, this takes a long time in our setup. So um, for, for our scans, the way we did it, it took a couple of hours for the big scans uh, because the antenna has to move up and down and then slide slightly to the right, the way we did it, and has to cover all of that area. You could make that faster with arrays of antennas, um, but it's still rather slow um, to record all of the objects in between. If you're just looking uh, to locate an object, then a couple of antennas should be enough to get real-time data acquisition rates. Mm. Okay. Well, very good. Um, so if people have questions or ideas for collaboration or you know, they have input on some of your old projects or current ones, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Um, so, uh, yeah, if it's about the Wi-Fi project, they, they can mail me. The, my email is on the paper. Um, okay. And for the other stuff, so the, so the physics experiment, uh, we are going to publish a paper soon, um, and well, yeah, just just email, and uh, yeah, should be should be able to find this. Okay, all right, we're very good. Well, Philip, I appreciate you coming on the line, and uh, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff you're working on. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.